Welcome to the Christmas version of The Noticed. I'm Susan Hookstra, your host. Emmanuel, God with us. This time of year, I'm reminded of the word Emmanuel every time I hear my favorite Christmas carol, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. I love the melody, the message, and the different arrangements of the hymn I've heard over the years. But as I wrestle with the challenges of 2020, this hymn has taken on a new meaning for me. As I listen, Three words just resonate with me. Come, Lord Jesus. Let's face it, a lot of us would love for 2020 to be erased from the books. 2020 has brought with it COVID, racial tensions, and political unrest. Perhaps you even know someone who has COVID or died of it, or someone who has lost a job. Couple that with our longings for face-to-face -face interactions which are frequently met with disappointment. So we isolate. Isolation causes us to be depressed or even anxious. And then anxiety causes us to isolate. This is because we just weren't meant to do life alone. For me personally, 2020 has its share of ups and downs. There were relational struggles, the death of my father-in-law, work transitions, and the completion of a book. Like an unexpected stranger, cancer came to visit, only to thankfully leave as quickly as it came. I had to come to terms with another diagnosis that isn't going to go away so quickly, and even now my finances took a big hit because now we need a new roof. But that's not the worst of it for all of us. Each day, our flexibility, patience, and overall well-being is sacrificed as we wait for a remedy. Come, Lord Jesus. In our pleading to have Jesus come, could we be forgetting to notice he's already with us? As someone who does a podcast about noticing God and what he's doing, I see how easily we can miss him during a pandemic. Instead of noticing what God is doing, it seems easier to notice what he isn't doing. I can't begin to make sense of all this, but here's what I can tell you. There's a lot to notice. I'm not talking about just trying to find the positive in things or some kind of God wink. I'm talking about noticing the good amongst the bad and that that good comes from God. As we take notice, we can see he will work things together for good. This year alone, through 22 episodes of The Notice, we spent time examining some of these issues. 
We've noticed God through chronic pain, idols, and what it's like to be a bald woman. We notice God in unemployment, shame, and comparison. We took notice of God through motherhood when we feel stuck, and even my pastor getting COVID. We notice God through politics, racial tension, and the homeless. From self-discipline to discipleship, venting, hoarding, and new strategies, we've welcomed guests, supported a children's book contest, talked about Christian films, and even gave away a book or two. Friends, that's a lot of noticing. But now that it's Christmas time, during a pandemic, what should we be noticing? Do we notice the joy in decorating a tree, wrapping a present, or baking cookies? Do we notice how God helped someone through a tough situation? Do we take notice of those who have nothing this Christmas? Or are we instead focused on the disappointments that come because things aren't the way they usually are? If our eyes are fixed on the pandemic and its consequences, do we even notice God? You know, when I get to that place, I have to ask three words. I have to say three words. Come, Lord Jesus. Come and help me take notice. Help me see what you're doing because I don't see it. Help me notice you're already with us. Which brings me back to that famous carol. O come, O come, Emmanuel. You know, I vividly remember the first time I heard this hymn. I was six years old and sang it at a mass. The first time I heard rejoice, rejoice, it surprised me. After all, there's so much pleading and somberness in the hymn. And then just using one in one word, we turn to worship. So there's yearning. And there's worship, divine dichotomy wrapped in music. Even today, that still gets to me. So I wondered, what were the musicians thinking about when they wrote this song? So I did a little research, and for history buffs out there, the hymn's origins date back to the late 8th and 9th century from a Benedictine Gregorian chant. In general, it's monk music. It wasn't until the mid-19th century when the chant was actually translated by Anglican priest and hymn writer John Mason Neal. Neal was kind of an interesting guy, kind of somewhat of an economy himself. Born into an evangelical home, he also had sympathies toward Rome. Scholarly, he spent much of his time improving social conditions, but was often ignored and even despised by his contemporaries. Ironically, He's lauded today for his contribution to the church in translating these early and medieval hymns. His focus was spent on those which were written around the Christian calendar. And O Come, O Come, Emmanuel was one of those. It has seven verses and is probably his most famous. Much like an Advent practice, the hymn was sung the week before Christmas. Each of the seven days included a verse a day to prepare hearts and minds for Christmas. Sounds like they were taking notice. Let's take a look at these seven verses, because each began with a messianic title from scriptures to describe God. The first one is, O Sampentia, O come, O wisdom from on high. O Adonai, God, O come, O come, 
great lord of might. O Raxic Jesse, stem or root of Jesse. O come, O branch of Jesse's stem. O Clavis David, the key of David. O come, O key of David, come. O Orion's day spring. O come, O bright and morning star. O Rex Genitium, king of the Gentiles. O come, O king of nations, bye. And apparently the last verse is actually the first verse we sing today. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Friends, as I ponder the message of this song, what is it that we are asking God to do? If Emmanuel means God with us, then aren't we essentially saying, O come, O come, and be with us? Yes, of course we want him to be up with us, but isn't he already? The answer is yes, because God is omnipresent. Jeremiah 23, 24 tells us, Who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them, declares the Lord. Keep in mind, the omnipresent nature of God applies to the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. As we talk about the omnipresence of God, we are not talking about the promise of a unique experience or a feeling. We are talking about God's ability to be everywhere simultaneously. This is something we know that we know. At the same time, there are times when God makes his presence even more abundantly clear. It's usually very intimate. This is called manifestation. I'm sure all of you have experienced a time when God manifested himself to you. These are the times that remind us that only God could have known what we needed or desired. We love these experiences and ache for more. There are many different examples, but one story in scripture is the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The three of these men were at the mercy of King Nebuchadnezzar. However, King Nebuchadnezzar didn't understand the omnipresence of God. When he threw the men into the burning furnace, he had no idea God would be there. So when Nebuchadnezzar took notice, the clear presence of God showed up. This manifestation was the benefit of those three men, even more so the pagan king. So what about you? Do you know God is there because you know it? Or are you aching for him to manifest himself? Friends, I hope your answer to that question is yes to both. You see, this is the dichotomy in which we live. Good and bad things are happening simultaneously. We know God is here, but it's also important to note that he will we will continue to ache until Jesus comes back, longing to be in his full presence. This is why we say, come Lord Jesus. More times than not, we take these special experiences and define them as miracles. Instead, what if we looked at that aching as a call to action? Maybe that action is to take notice. Maybe we can take notice of something happening in our life, or maybe what is happening in the life of another. Friends, this is how we get through the aching, the longing, the pleading. Take notice, and then we can ultimately shout, Rejoice! Rejoice! There's another part to this hymn that have two distinct prophecies. Jesus' first arrival, and then Jesus' second. 
The first arrival of Jesus is outlined in Isaiah 7:14, which states, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. See, the virgin will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel. Let's just set back in time for a second. Imagine we're a first century saint. What do you think it felt like for them to wait and wait and wait and then wait again for God to appear? The second arrival is the second coming of Christ, prophesied in Hebrews 9.28, which states, So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. At this time of year, of course, we celebrate the first coming of Jesus, and we know he came. Yet at the same time, we're still aching for his return. Like our first century friends, we are still waiting for God. That's why together we can still say the three words, Come, Lord Jesus. So if you haven't guessed it by now, this is a dichotomy. We know and we long. If we dwell on what we know, we can recognize that we already know more about this Jesus than our first century saints. Think about it. Didn't Jesus, the Son of God, leave heaven in the full presence of God to be with us? Friends, he left the right hand of God to be with us. This is what we celebrate at Christmas. The little baby Jesus born in a manger on a silent night with angels singing and the wise men bearing gifts. However, if you take a look at each of the seven verses from the hymn again from a different viewpoint, with an eye towards Jesus' return, you'll discover the longing. We're not only celebrating the birth of our Savior Jesus, but preparing our hearts for his return. So I say yes. Go ahead. Embrace the longing. Embrace the aching. But don't forget to rest in his peace. If Jesus came once, as God promised he would, guess what? He will come again. This is because God does what he promises. 2 Peter 3.9 tells us, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you. So my friends, that's really it, isn't it? The real problem with us is our lack of patience. We want it now. We want to have Christmas with our loved ones now. We want COVID to be gone now. And we want Jesus to come back now. Yet we are told in Matthew 24, 36, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. By dwelling on the when, perhaps we lose our focus and motivation. What if we dwell on what we do know? We do know that Jesus will return and redemption will win, don't we? Rejoice! Rejoice! In the meantime, I encourage us to get comfortable in that dichotomy. Get comfortable saying, Come be with us. Get comfortable saying, come Lord Jesus. You know, John Piper describes this dichotomy well when he says, the Christian life oscillates between these two poles, the overflowing joy of the already redeemed and the tearful yearning of the not yet redeemed. Not that we ever leave the one or the other in this life. We are sorrowful yet always rejoicing. Scripture tells us in Ephesians 7, 1, In him we have redemption through his blood, 
the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Ephesians 4.30 tells us, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And 2 Corinthians 6.10 sums it up, As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making rich, as having nothing, and yet possessing all things. Friends, during this unusual Christmas season, go ahead, be sorrowful, grieve the loss, but don't forget that sorrow is actually anticipation in disguise. So get comfortable with the dichotomy. This is how things are gonna to be till we get to heaven. But mostly, remember, God always has a reason for what he's doing, and he has a reason for us to wait. Take a look at his reason in the second part of 2 Peter 3.9. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Friends, isn't this why we rejoice? In our quest to see redemption win, let's start by resting the dichotomy and taking notice of those souls out there that need redemption. May you sense and spread his presence this Christmas. Until next year, take notice.